Uh, here at Celebration Church, we've been blessed with many, many wonderful people who have various gifts and talents, uh, from all our volunteers to the uh, various worship groups at the different campuses, the different campus pastors who serve each and every one of you uh, at whatever location that you worship in. And God has blessed us with wonderful teachers who come through here and preach and teach and minister to, to us. One of those is Pastor Joel Holm who is a, a great brother in the Lord. He heads up our missions ministry. He travels all over the world uh, ministering to uh, the church at large, and we appreciate what he does. He's also one of our senior teaching pastors, and we're thrilled whenever he comes and ministers to us. Usually when he comes, I'm gone. I get to be here today, so I'm glad that I'm able to sit in. Would you please welcome Pastor Joel Hall. Don't fall asleep. Nine months ago, some of you know that I got a phone call from a doctor who said, Joel, I've got bad news, you've got cancer. When you get that kind of a phone call, it immediately changes how you look at life. It immediately changes how you look at eternity, how you look at death, how you look at your family. And it was an interesting experience to get that phone call. Now, since then, God healed me. I've had numerous checkups. I'm completely healed, so I appreciate the prayers you've given to me, and I really do give glory to God. And if, if you're here and you are ill, do not stop praying, do not stop believing, do not stop standing on his word. But at that moment in September, I really looked at life differently. And then I discovered that God wants us to do that, but without necessarily having to get a phone call about cancer. David prayed a prayer that caused him to do that. It's a prayer that we need to pray, it's a prayer we need to learn, and my guess is it's a prayer very few of us pray. He prayed this prayer in Psalms 39.4. Here's what David prayed. Show me, O Lord, my life's end. Hey, God, would you tell me when I'm going to die? When was the last time you prayed that prayer? You know, you sit out in the nice sun, and you've got your journal and your cup of coffee, and you're going to have a nice devotional time with the Lord, and you open it up, and you pray, you know, God, show me your love, you worship God, you've got the CDs on. But when was the last time you said, Lord, show me my life's end and the number of my days? God, teach me how fleeting life is. Why would David pray such a prayer? Why does God want us to be vividly aware of this? I had a friend who told me about this website. He told me to check it out, so I went on it. It's called deathclock.com. Been on this website, you punch in your birthday, you punch in your outlook on life, a little bit about your physical characteristics, you click the button, and it tells you when you will be leaving this earth. June 28th, 2052 is my lucky date, which gives me 15,791 days left. David's prayer, help me to know the number of my days. Remind me how brief my time on earth will be, because the truth is we're all terminal. One out of one of us died. Statistics still hover at around 100%. Ecclesiastes says there is a time for death. And the older you get, the more you realize that. I don't play, didn't play sports for a while, and then I started playing basketball again. And the first time I went out, played two hours of full court basketball with kids who were in their 20s, I went home, thought I was going to die. <laughs> death clock just ratcheted it up about 20 years. Soon all of my discussions with you will be about fiber in my diets. You heard the story about the elderly couple? They've been married 60 years. They're in their early 80s, married 60 years, sitting in their living room in the middle of the day. 
kind of a twinkle in her eye. The wife looks over at her husband and says, Honey, let's run upstairs and make love. And the husband looks back and says, You know I can't do both those things on the same day. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much fun you're having. Time flies by. And it is only when we know how short and valuable each day is, do we live it to the fullest. That's why David's prayer is such an important prayer for us to learn. Because his prayer is not a prayer about dying. This message is not a message about dying. But it's actually about living, really living. If I could rewrite David's prayer in Joel's revised version, it would be, God, turn my someday into this day. Because I discover many of us, we live with a someday list. Because we don't know David's prayer. Someday I'll get serious about taking care of my body. Someday I'm going to pay attention to my marriage the way I need to. Someday I'm going to address that sin in my life that I hide from everybody else. Someday I'm going to get organized and give to God the way He wants me to give my money to Him. Someday I'm going to take care of that unfinished business of forgiving that person who hurt me two years ago and that bitterness I've held on to. Someday I really want to get into God. Someday I want to serve in my church. Someday I'm going to do something to help my church out. Someday I'm going to engage in my kids. There are so many who live with a someday list. We're either paralyzed by the past and the bondages and the failures and the weaknesses that stops us from moving into the present, or we live in the future. You met these kind of people where it's always the next thing that will be better, the next event, the next job, the next relationship, the next church. Everything is always the next thing. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in this day. And when you pray David's prayer, it turns a someday list into a this-day list. David is praying, God, teach me the indescribable gift called life today. This is the day that you have made. So I thought it would be good this morning, just for a few minutes, to give you a chance to live out this prayer. To count your days. So let's pretend that this is your last year on this earth. 2009. Leaves you with 226 days left. How would your life change? What would you do that you wouldn't have normally done? Who would you spend time with? If you had 29 weekends left at celebration, what would those weekends look like? What would become important to you? What now would really matter if you knew 226 was your countdown? You see, when you pray, especially when you pray David's prayer, prayer is what changes us. You don't need a phone call from a doctor to be changed. You just need to start to pray this prayer. And it changes you. People who see the end of their life, they no longer have a fear that paralyzes them. If this was your last year, what could you do for God if you weren't afraid? To live fully in the moment? Think of all the things that we're afraid of. People are afraid of failure. Some of us are afraid of success. People are afraid of flying. They're afraid of heights. People are afraid of other people's opinions about them. Right now, a lot of people are really afraid of the financial situation in our economy. I've heard of people who are afraid of air. Now, if you're afraid of air, you just don't have a lot of options available to you. (laughs) What could you do if you weren't afraid? Because here's what fear is. Fear is knowing what you want to do, what you need to do, but when are you going to do it? 
You see, as followers of God, we know we can't say no to God, so we just say, someday. Someday I'll take care of that God. Someday I'll follow you with what you've told me to do. Someday I will do this. God gives us these moments in the present in life, and they rarely come with all faith or all fear. They're kind of mixed together, but fear paralyzes us from living in that moment. We wait, and the moment passes. And we just say, someday. Marie and I, 10 years ago, had a moment about 22 hours long. A window of time to decide whether or not we would adopt a five-year-old boy into our home. And we had 22 hours to make a very important decision. We already had two kids. We were very busy. It would turn our world upside down. It was this moment that we had. Josh is now 15, and I can't imagine our family and our life without him. Couldn't imagine what it would be. But I'll tell you something. In that moment, we weren't 110% certain. Because most of the moments God gives you don't come with 100% certainty. You have to learn to make 100% commitment when you don't always have 100% certainty to step out really in faith. We oftentimes hesitate to do that because we're not 100% certain. We never live life to the fullest because we don't really understand that faith is not being 100% certain. Faith is trusting Jesus when you're not 100% certain. That's why the father of the lame son said, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. That's why the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. Because certainty, it kind of ebbs and flows. And most of the opportunities and moments God gives us to really do something for him and be transformed don't come with 110% certainty. One of my heroes is somebody in the New Testament that we oftentimes criticize. We call him Doubting Thomas. He doubted, but he did something else. He stuck with Jesus. So wherever Jesus was, he was going to be there. Even though he wasn't certain, he still was there to make sure he would be with Jesus. Trusting Jesus is not proving yourself to him. It's following him when you're not necessarily 100% certain. You say, how can I do that? Here's what really matters. 1 John says, perfect love drives out fear. When you know how much Jesus loves you, then you don't need 100% certainty. You can step out in faith because you know Jesus is with you. I have a friend who's a medical doctor. She had a very affluent practice in the suburbs. Very huge house, really beautiful practice, well off, really well taken care of. She rang me up and she said, one time she said, Joel, I feel like God is asking me to sell my practice, my home, and move into the inner city and start a clinic for people who can't afford medical care. I said, Diane, that's a huge decision. Are you sure? She said, no. I said, oh. I said, well, how sure are you? She said, well, probably about 70%. And I said, is it enough? She said, Joel, if I know Jesus is coming before me, with me, behind me, around me, 10% is enough. If this was your last year, and you weren't afraid, and you want to do something great for God, it's not a matter of... You know, gritting your teeth and saying, what can I do from God? It's actually a matter of falling in love with Jesus all over again. Because people who pray this prayer, what they discover is Jesus loves me, this I know is what really matters. People who pray this prayer are truly changed. They see the end and they know what really matters. They have a list 
When the doctor called me on the phone, immediately, almost intuitively, a list came up. What do I want to do with my life? Do you have a list? And what's on your list? See the movie The Bucket List? Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman, two old guys... They're going to die, they're going to pass away, money's not an issue, so they make a list of all the wild things that they want to do. They take care of some unfinished family business. What would make it on your list if 2009 was your last year? What would you want to do? Where would you want to visit? What would be the things you'd want to do that you've never done before? And if you watch the movie, a lot of it is about earthly thrills. And, you know, I like earthly thrills. I've jumped off of mountains that are 7,000 feet high with just a parachute on. I've, I've traveled to 90 different countries. I've eaten all kinds of wild foods. I've gone scuba diving in different regions of the world. I've done crazy things. One time in the early 90s, when Russia, communism had just collapsed, we were in this Russian uh, airport and we had gotten off the plane and we were walking on the tarmac. About 100 yards away, I see a guy when he was using the batons, and he's parking a big jet, like a 737 jet. So I run over to him, and I tap him on the shoulder, and I said, can I do that? And he said, yes. So he gave me the baton, so here I am, and I'm parking this big jet with him kind of coaching me. Really stupid thing to do. The bucket list is a lot about earthly thrills. But as followers of Christ, our list... It looks a lot different. What kind of a list would you have? You see, the Jesus gave the disciples a list. And if anybody thought that they might die, that it might be their last year, it would be the disciples. Because when he came to them, they knew people wanted to kill him. And he gave them a list. Number your days, here's your list. But there was just one thing on the list. Follow me. This day, not a three-year plan, not a five-year plan, not someday, but this day, follow me. Live in this moment. I had two people who were in my church when I was pastoring. One was a businessman, one was a business lady. The guy lived in a someday world. And he was always telling me, someday, Joel, I'm going to serve in the church. Someday, I'm going to see God use me in this way. Someday, I'm going to do something. The lady, however, understood and prayed David's prayer. She was in a city doing business, and she was on a tram, and it was raining outside, and a businessman gets onto the tram, and he's kind of wet because he's been in the rain, and she has an umbrella, and God speaks to her and says, give him your umbrella. Now, she had one of these kind of purple, flowery, floofy, woman's kinds of umbrella, not the kind of umbrella I would be carrying, you know. And she goes up to the man, and she says, here, would you take my umbrella? And he said, no, 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 I don't want your umbrella. And she said, no, no, please take my umbrella. What would you do if you weren't afraid? So he asks her, why are you giving me your umbrella? What would you say if you weren't afraid? So she said, because God told me to give you my umbrella. Well, this guy was not going to argue with God, so he took the umbrella. So she went to her hotel and she had a dinner meeting that night with a colleague who was actually a believer. And he comes to the dinner meeting and he goes right up to her and he says, I had the strangest thing happen to me in a meeting. We got together with some clients, and in walks a guy with a purple, flowery, floofy woman's umbrella. And he knows I'm a Christian, so he walks right up to me and says, some lady gave me this umbrella on the tram, and she said God told her to do that. What's up with that? And the Christian man was able to lead the businessman to Christ and see his eternity sealed. What would you say if you weren't afraid? 
When Jesus says, follow me, he says, listen, live fully in the moment that I give you. Not with a someday list, but a this day list. What can you do this day? When Jesus pointed out the widow with the two mites, she didn't have in her mind, someday I'm going to give a million dollars to the church. She had in her mind, this day I can give two mites. The boy who gave fishes and loaves, he wasn't thinking to himself, hey, someday I'm going to run a ministry feeding tens of thousands of people. He said, this day I can give my fishes and my loaves. What could you do this day if 2009 was the last year? There was a man in our church, if you would have visited him, he was overseeing a bus ministry we had where literally we were busing hundreds and hundreds of elderly people who were in homes and couldn't get to church there. But the real story began six years earlier when he had not a someday mentality where I want to run a ministry with 20 buses, but a this day mentality when he looked in his back seat and said, I have two empty seats. I could take two people to church. When you begin to pray David's prayer, someday becomes this day. Sometimes I think we get it backwards, you know. Sometimes I think, well, as a Christian, i got to learn to believe correctly and behave correctly, and then I could actually make a difference for God. Then I could actually do something. But we reverse it. It actually works the other way around. Jesus sent his disciples out first. A few months ago, I was having what I call a bad unchristian day. Anybody had an unchristian day in here? Am I the only one? Sometimes I have Christianish days. Those aren't bad. Once in a while, I have a Christ-like day. My wife and kids love those days. They bomb heaven with prayers for more of those days. But this day was a bad unchristian day. It's a day where you roll out of bed and you're just... Uh, everything is wrong and whoever's in front of you, it's their fault. So your wife comes into the room and says, good morning, honey, and you go, ah. Your kids come in, you bite their heads off, you're having a bad, unchristian day. I don't know where they come from, but in my life they happen occasionally. So I'm having this bad, unchristian day. i got to go run some errands. It's in the middle of the winter. I go and I run my errands, and I'm driving home, and there's this, see this man, and he's walking up the hill in the snow with these grocery bags, old guy, and he's kind of struggling to walk up the hill. And God speaks to me, just in my heart, says, Joel, pull over and help him get home. I said, God, I can't. I'm having a bad, unchristian day. Because you can't do those things when you're having a bad, unchristian day. Joel, pull over. Help him get home. So I pull my car over. I go over to this old elderly man. I said, sir, can I help you to get home? And he looked at me kind of stunned and said, sure. Put him in my car, drove him a few blocks to his house, got him situated. And he looked at me and said, why did you do this? And I was just able to share with him very briefly about how much God loves him and loves me and talk to him about a church that was in his neighborhood. I don't know what happened to him, but I know that when I walked out of that house, my bad unchristian day was over. I had been transformed because I realized the power of a moment that God gives each of us every day. If you're here this morning, maybe this whole Christianity thing is a little boring or you're stuck in a routine, or you know there's more of God you should be getting, you have a list, but honestly, it's kind of a someday list. Are you asking, is this all there is? Is this what I signed up for? Maybe God's promises are an exaggeration, or maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one. Maybe I need to start praying this prayer. Maybe I need to get into the adventure a little bit more. Maybe I need to discover life in each moment. Living life in the moment is about living a full life, not just a busy life. And when you begin to take the risk of praying David's prayer, God, show me the end of my life so that I can know how precious today is and how precious tomorrow is. 
You're the one who's going to be changed and you're going to discover what really matters in this life. If this was your last year, is there an orphan somewhere in the world you need to hug? Is there an elderly person living next door you need to help get their groceries home? Is there a co-worker in your workplace on Monday morning you need to share Christ with? Is there a neighbor you need to bring to church? Is there a conversation you need to have with your kids? Is there something on your someday list that would become a this day list? Do you need to serve in this church if this was your last year? You see, people who pray this prayer, who have a keen sense of eternity, they live life in each moment almost as if tomorrow is that eternity. When the doctor called me up in September and told me the news, of my cancer. I'll never forget that immediately I started to do inventory. Immediately I started to look at my life. Would I do something differently? What would I change? It's like I couldn't almost help that. And I was doing kind of a self-evaluation. And I was asking myself kind of a peculiar question that I had not asked myself before this. Here was the question. Joel, how do you want to arrive into heaven? We oftentimes ask the question, if we're going to go to heaven. Very important question. But for those of us who have already answered that question, how do you want to arrive? I had a friend who was very ill, and he was believing God for his healing, and he did get healed. But while he was going through that illness, I remember talking to him, and he said, Joel, I believe God will heal me, but even if it doesn't, I want to arrive into heaven full of faith, not full of doubt. I have friends who are Iraqi Christians. They live in Iraq and it means there's a big bullseye on their back. And many of them have lost their lives because they're a target. But when I talk to them, I don't see despair and bitterness because they say we want to arrive into heaven not full of despair and bitterness and anger that we're living in this country. We want to arrive into heaven full of compassion and forgiveness and love. How do you want to arrive into heaven? I got friends who are in their 80s and 90s, and while all their peers are playing golf and relaxing and spending their retirement money, they are working full-time for God because they say when we arrive into heaven, we don't want to arrive retired. We want to arrive working full-on for the Lord. How do you want to arrive into heaven? People who pray David's prayer have a keen sense of eternity, and they know right now counts forever. People will ask me all the time, Joel, what's the purpose of life? Listen, the end of your body is not the end of you. We were made by God, given life by God, for God, and until you figure that out, life just isn't going to make a whole lot of sense to you. And I used to think life was like hills and valleys, and when you're on the hill, it's great and it's glorious, and there's a lot of joy and victory and success. When you're in the valley, it's a challenging time and it's difficult. But I discovered life's not really like that. I think hills, life is more like wearing a pair of shoes, And one shoe is kind of the challenges you have, and the other shoe is the joys and the victories you have, and you get to walk. And every day of life has some challenges, and every day of life has some victories and some joys. Here's the key. Not which shoe will you look at, but will you be grateful that you have a pair of shoes? That you get to walk each day with Jesus? Some people say the glass is half full. Some people say the glass is half empty. You know what we should say as Christians? Thank God we have a glass. I get to live today with Jesus. Sometimes the glass may not be very full. Sometimes it may be overflowing. The key is, I've got this glass. Lord, teach me. Show me the end of my life so I will discover how precious this day is. And I won't live with a someday. 
I won't be in bondage to the past and I won't live in the future of a someday, but I'll live in this moment that you've given to me, that I'll be able to see everything you want to do. If this was your last year, what could you do if you weren't afraid? What would you do? What would your list be? Would it simply be, follow me and tomorrow morning you wake up for an adventure with the Lord that day? And if this was your last year and in January 1, 2010, how would you want to show up in heaven? You know, it's important that we remember that with David it's a prayer. And we're learning a prayer. Because when you pray implicit in your prayer, you are saying, only you, God. Only you can make this happen in my life. Only you can turn my someday into this day. Only you can help me live in the now. Only you can enable me to give an umbrella to a stranger on the train. Only you can eliminate fear that paralyzes me. God, only you can cause me to be 100% obedient when I'm not 100% certain. Only you, God, can give me that security in love that comes from Jesus. Only you, God, can take a bad, unchristian day and turn it into a radically supernatural, God-glorifying day. Only you, God, can cause me to enter heaven fully loving you, fully giving to you, fully living life at its fullest. You've got 12 and a half hours left to today. What kind of a day will it be? What kind of a day would it be if you knew midnight was it? What kind of a year would it be? None of us know, but God wants us to be keenly aware of how valuable every day and every moment with Him is so that we will live it to the fullest and we will enter heaven fully glorifying Him. Thank God we have a glass. Let's live life as He's designed it for us. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Just take one minute and you personally respond to the Lord. It's a dangerous prayer. Lord, show me the end of my life. Not because of death, but because of life today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of us that's in here. More than that, you would just show yourself to us Lord, first and foremost, would you remind us how much you love us? That that's what really matters? Only you, God, can show us your love. And for right now in this room, people who need to know that Jesus loves them, would you do that? Would they be so sure of that that it would eliminate any fear that paralyzes That the past would be the past and the future would be the future. But today, this would be the day that you have made. And that we would rejoice in this day. Lord, I pray that you would cause us to know that we have a list that simply says, follow me. I thank you for this church, Lord God. Continue to build us as a church that lives in the power of the moment, that is not paralyzed by fear or by what other people think, but that rejoices in the fact that you've given us a glass, that we celebrate each moment 
And I pray for anybody who is here this morning that has had a someday list. May it become a this day list. I pray in this prayer, Lord. We thank you for it. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Did you appreciate that this morning? Good word. Good word for all of us. Live for, man, be, take today seriously. I'm going to invite all our ushers to come forward at the different campuses at this time to get ready to serve the communion. Musicians can get ready as we enter our, our communion time. You know, during communion, we reflect on what all of this is really about. It's about uh, having fellowship with God made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. His body broken for us so we could be whole. His blood shed for us so we could have forgiveness of sins. Let me ask you this morning as you're visiting here to Bayside Campus or one of our other campuses, where are you at this morning with God? Maybe you're not taking time seriously. Maybe you think, ah, it's no big deal. I'll, I'll worry about it when I get older. I've got plenty of time. You know, I'll, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You know, as many of you know, I, I'm a pilot and uh, I, I fly uh, my airplane around the country speaking at different conferences and stuff. I uh, just got back from Bellingham, Washington, speaking at a men's conference out there, uh, talking to them Friday night and Saturday. Pray for them. They're probably still recovering from my talk. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, but uh, on the way out, uh, we decided to stop in uh, in Montana somewhere, uh, Glacier National Park or something like that, and uh, a real pretty airport that was that is situated in the mountains, and um, you have to come in and fly, you know, between the mountains and, and come into this beautiful valley and stuff like that, and we always look for opportunities like that when we fly because it's such a beautiful country and we don't have mountains like that uh, around here, certainly not in the Midwest. It's pretty flat around here. <clears throat> but uh, as we're coming in to this thing, we're descending and, uh, and looking on the radar and now we're seeing rain is coming in uh, right where we want to be. And uh, rather than when we got to altitude, rather than seeing these beautiful mountains and stuff like that and enjoying this 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 vision of, of this beautiful countryside, we're in the clouds, blind as bats, uh, it's rain, turbulence is bouncing y'all around, we just descended from 28,000 feet, the wings are very cold, instead of rain just rushing off the wings, it's building up ice on the wings, uh, and unlike flying around here, um, where, you know, you can get off course, there's no big deal, you don't run into anything around here, well now we're flying in the, through the system with mountains around us. We can't see the mountains, but they're there. And as we're bouncing through and we're following all the procedures to do the approach correctly, I'm thinking to myself, now is not the time to be reaching for the owner's manual. <laughs> you know, you prepare for these things ahead of time. We've flown hundreds of hours blind as bats and doing approaches and stuff like that and these were all very familiar things to us but you take them very seriously when it really matters and uh and sure enough as we were following the procedures and doing all the right turns at the right time at the right altitudes and finally descending and we come out of the clouds and here's this beautiful valley and sure enough there's this big old mountain over here and over here and it's like whoa you know but you prepare for these things when you have time 
You don't practice these things. I think a lot of people just wait until there's disasters in their life before they run to God. Wait until the doctor says, I have cancer, before they get serious with life. Wait, 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 wait. No, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Take today seriously. Have you taken today seriously? Where are you at with God in your life this morning? Maybe you're here and uh, uh, this is all kind of new to you. And you're thinking, wow, I've, I've never really experienced God the way that you guys are talking about God. I'm going to invite everybody this morning to bow your heads with us in a word of prayer. And I'm going to invite everybody, all the different campuses, campuses to pray along with me. And if you'll pray this prayer with us this morning and mean this from the bottom of your heart, you can take your first steps of faith this morning. You can begin to experience God today if you'll put your faith in Jesus this morning. Let's pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen.